0: Today we're going to talk about having better roots for your notes. Better. We're going to go we went from bitter to better. We all want good fruit in our life. You cannot have good fruit unless you have good roots. Where you root your life is so important. If you root yourself in the stock market, if that's the thing that you read every day, if that's where your money's at to the point where it consumes your mind, That will affect every area of your life. There's nothing wrong with having investments in the stock market, but if that's your roots, if that's everything to you, then if it's up, you're in a good mood and you're treating your family good. If it's down, you're in a bad mood, you're stressed out, you're not sleeping. If your roots are in a person other than Jesus, and that person says, I want you to lose weight, well, you feel insecure and you lose weight for them. I want you to cut your hair, you cut your hair. I want you to move to New York, you move to New York. The problem with your roots being in a person is they are controlling everything in your life. They're controlling your mood. They're controlling how you see yourself, your self-confidence, on and on. If you root yourself in your own personal goals, to own your own business or to be successful in some area, the problem with that is if it doesn't happen, you're not going to have good fruit. You're going to feel like a failure. So this is why it's very important that we root ourselves where God wants us to root ourselves. And I'm going to prove to you in the next 30 minutes through three points today. That the number one, most important, greatest root in your life is in the local body church. The body of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> it affects everything. If there was anything you could wish for your children, it is not that they marry the perfect person or get a great job. It's that they have roots in a local church. Because the local church affects their, their, their marriage. The local church affects their moods. Their local church affects their children, their relationships, their finances, their health, their spiritual well-being, their personal growth. It affects everything, including eternity. You'll get to heaven through the grace of God, but the rewards you get that last forever and ever and ever as soon as you get to heaven is based on your life on earth. It's based on how fruitful and productive and obedient you were on earth, and the local church affects that. So let me give you an example before I get into my points. Um, Imagine that there is an oak tree... That is destined for greatness. I mean, the oak tree is just destined to be majestic, to stretch its branches out so far, be big and strong. And the oak tree is on a a website called treehuggers.com. He's looking for a date. Someone to hug him. And so he's on treehuggers.com. And it, it, the, the oak tree meets a cactus. And says, Ooh, you're so spiky and pretty, and I'm going to hang out with you. And so the cactus says, Well, you need to move over. I'm in Egypt, so come over to Egypt and be with me. And so the oak tree is so excited to fall in love and find joy in this person that it uproots itself and it moves to the desert to live with the cactus. Okay? Because it thinks that's going to bring it ultimate happiness. Here's the problem it's not planted where God created it to be planted. And it can't expect to thrive. It'll barely survive in the desert. It'll never be, even though it's destined for greatness, it'll never be what God created it to be because its roots are not in the right place. Let me give you another example. A camel. A camel is on the internet looking for a job because where the camel lives at, it thinks, you know what, I'm not that popular because there's a lot of me over here in Egypt. Um, I get paid minimum wage. There's not a big demand for camels over here in Egypt. So it's online and it finds a job in Alaska. Alaska. And it's going to make a lot of money because it says we've been looking for a camel to be here for a long time and you fit the profile. You've got two humps. We're excited. I mean, this, You're the perfect camel for us. You know, We, we, we have a big house you can live in. I mean, You talk about climbing the corporate ladder. This is the place that's going to make you money. You're going to be popular and everyone's going to want you and be around you. So the camel uproots itself from Egypt and it moves to Alaska where there's more money. A bigger house and fame and popularity. Here's the problem. It'll never thrive. It'll barely survive because it's not in the right place. It's not in the place that God created it to be in. So this is why it's very important we understand the location of our roots determine the produce of our fruit. We cannot expect to have good fruit in our life if our roots are not planted where God's called them to be planted. It's very important we understand our roots have to be where God wants them to be. Colossians 2.6 As you receive Christ Jesus, walk in Him rooted, which Jesus is called the root of David, by the way, and built up in Him and established. Everybody say the word established. established. Um, I'm a professional fruit grower. Not just spiritually, but um, physically. Uh, the, back, the, the backyard of our house has nothing but fruit trees. And every day we just walk out and we eat from our backyard. We have fig trees, blueberries, grapes, apples, pears, um, uh, what's that fruit, I don't even know what it is, the little horn, kumquats, we have um, you know, tomatoes, bell peppers, uh, we have everything going by there, so anyway, so we're back there, so we just pull it right off and, and we smoke those blueberries, and so, I'm just kidding, anyway, so here's the thing about established, I didn't get any fruit the first year, I barely got any fruit the second year, it took years of being in the same place, that, that, that pear tree did not say, "Oh, a hurricane's coming, I'm uprooting and move over here. And then oh, oh it's too hot today, I'm uprooting and move over here. It was established and it produced what it was supposed to produce after it was established. Psalms 1:3. you find joy in meditating on God's word. You're like a tree planted by the water, producing fruit every month. Everything you do prospers and succeeds. Look at the scripture and watch this. What you put into you, what you met, what you put into you, right? And where you plant yourself determines what you produce in life. Some of you are not producing what you know you're supposed to be producing. It's not that you're a bad person. It's this. You're not at the right place because the right things aren't going in. And your roots, you're not planted over by the water. You're planted around people that are negative. You're planted at a a job or a place or wherever where there's just the wrong things being poured into you. All you got to do is uproot from the wrong place root yourself in the right place and as the years go by and you get established, you'll start producing the right things in your life. Psalms 92, 13, when you're planted in the house of the Lord, you'll flourish. Amen. When you're, everybody say planted. Amen. That means if you don't like the song we sing, your, your roots are still there. That means if you don't like the color of the paint on the walls, your roots are still there. Now, you can uproot yourself and just go whatever feels good, whatever's popular, wherever there's more money, but listen, you'll never end up where you really want to end up. You think you will. You think it'll bring happiness. You think that you'll be fulfilled in life. But you're never going to truly be fulfilled until you produce what it is God wants to produce through your life on earth. Okay? So three points for today. Here we go. And in my mind, everyone that's wearing masks are smiling at me the entire time. I just want to make sure that I've verbalized that. Um, If you're not, I still think you are. Ready? Number one is this. You need to be rooted. You'll see the, the, the cohesiveness in the points. Rooted in the people of God, you need to be connected. Rooted in the people of God, you need to be connected. So Hebrews 10.25 says this. Now, it's, it's funny. People say that, you know, the, uh, the commandments are for the Old Testament. The commandments are under the law. Listen, there's so many more than ten commandments in the Bible, and there's some in the New Testament. You know, do not kill, do not steal, that's under grace. Here's another one. Do not Avoid worshiping together in church as some people do. The word together is about 400 times in the New Testament. Most of the time it's referring to members of churches, Church of Ephesus, Church of Corinth, and it's talking about pray together, work together, serve together, eat together. That's my favorite one. Uh, Worship together, study together. It's all about together. You may be able to accomplish what you want to accomplish in your life all by yourself, But you'll never be able to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish all by yourself. It takes the camaraderie of faith-filled people to be in your life for you to do everything God's called you to do. Um, I was studying redwood trees a while. They're my favorite trees. I've never seen one live. It's my bucket list to see a redwood tree. They're so big you can drive a train through them. Um, And they're only found in Washington State and Oregon. They're, you know, over there in the United States, the, the western side. And a redwood tree can be 350 feet tall. That's tall. I don't know if you've ever seen a football field. A football field is 300 feet, right? So you take a football field and you upright it and you add 50 feet. That's how tall a redwood tree can grow. They can live up to a thousand years old. That's almost as old as Bob. I mean, they can be that old. Imagine Bob was a little teeny kid, you know, with his tool belt planting a redwood seed, and he gets to see it a thousand years old, right? It's amazing. The redwood tree is unlike any other tree in that the storms that come and the winds that blow cannot touch it. They can't even move it. The pests that would normally destroy trees, they can't do anything to a redwood tree. It's not because their roots are so deep. In fact, their roots are only six feet under the ground. Imagine seeing six feet deep roots On a 350 foot tall tree. The diameter of the redwood tree roots are one inch in diameter. Crazy, right? So, how in the world do these magnificent trees, as big, as old as they are, how are they not phased by the winds, by the pests, by the the hurricanes? How are they not touched? Here's how underneath the ground, even though their roots are only six feet deep and an inch in diameter, They spread out to the left and to the right hundreds of feet per tree. And in that forest, you'll never find one redwood tree by itself. It is always surrounded by other redwood trees and under the ground, their roots go out so far that they intertwine with each other and they connect with each other. And when the storms come, the storm thinks, man, I'm going to blow you down. That redwood tree says, you can't touch me because it's not just me that's here. Underneath the ground, you'll see we're all connected to each other. Our protection is in our connection. When we're connected, the storms of life can't blow us down. See, the, the enemy, when he comes after you, he's not messing with you. When you're part of a local church, he's messing with all of us. Amen. He tries to put depression on you. Guess what? You're not fighting that alone. you got prayer partners, worship leaders, elders, teachers. you got people that can get you through it. I don't see how any Christian can make it apart from a local church. I don't even understand it all underneath the ground. We're, and this is interesting because you'd think I'd say where well, the roots go super deep. You know, some of us don't know a lot about the Bible. Some of us are new to the faith. It's not about how deep you are and about how knowledgeable you are. It's about how connected you are to other people who have things that you may not have, that you get to pull from from the left and the right. It's amazing to me. Acts 20.28 20, says, to watch over the flock, be shepherds of the church. Here's why. Wolves come in and they will not spare The flock. Um, Whenever you, uh, The wolf in the New Testament represents a demon. Of course, the flock and the sheep are the the body of Christ. But the way wolves attack sheep is they always attack the sheep that are on the fringe of the sheepfold. In other words, they don't go to the ones that are in the center, closest to the shepherd, surrounded by everybody else. They go to the sheep that are kind of by themselves on the outside of of the flock, kind of grazing, doing their own thing, thinking that they're safe. And the wolf always comes and attacks them. What I'm saying is, if you're on the fringe of the sheepfold today, if I were you, I would get so invested, so planted, so rooted, that you know everything going on in your local church. You know the vision. You know the goals. You know what we're trying to reach, what we need, the areas of ministry we're looking for helpers in. You should know all of that, which means you'd be surrounded by the rest of the flock. Can a person be a Christian but not be connected to a local church. Is it it biblical? Is it possible for a Christian to be a Christian, but not be connected to a local church? Let's look at some scriptures. Ephesians 4.16 From Christ, the whole body, the church, and all its parts and the Amplified is closely joined and held together. And you'll see this in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, all of Ephesians 4. 1 Corinthians 12, 12, the body of Christ has many parts, all the members form that one body. So can a person be a Christian, but not be a member of church. Yes, they can, actually. And I just want to show you what they look like. So let's start with my cousin Gary. This is cousin Gary. I don't know, but anyway. Um, if you're listening to audio, I'm just. this is a hand. It's a severed hand. It's not real. This hand has so much potential. It wants so bad to do great things for God. It wants to be able to worship and sing at a, at a, at a very deep anointing of worship. It really wants to just, just, just connect with this deep worship and praise. The problem is, it's not connected to any lungs or vocal cords. It wants to serve elements to people and pass out communion, but it's not connected to an arm or an elbow or a shoulder. It wants to, and on its own, it can do it on its own. It might can wave, it might can greet. It can do some things by itself, but it'll never be able to do all it could do because it's not connected to the rest of the body. In fact, this thing, this this cousin Gary, sometimes what he does is he connects on Sunday morning, but then Monday through Saturday, he does his own thing. And then he tries to reconnect. But that's so unhealthy. This is what a a, a Christian who's not a member of church, they're a dismembered body part. They're they're out just trying to do their own thing, but they can't do much because they're not connected to everybody else. And that's what it's like people who don't have a local body church. You've got to get involved. And it's very easy to think, you know what, um, I, I don't need everybody. I'm, I'm super spiritual. I'm smart. I know the Word. And listen, you may be tough enough, smart enough, and, and, and holy enough to do what you want to do, but you'll never be able to do everything God's called you to do. There's something you have that we actually need in this church. And there's something we have that you actually need in this place. People that aren't connected to a local church, their problem isn't with the church, even though they'll say that. I don't like this church. I don't like that church. Their problem is actually with Jesus. They actually just don't like Jesus. Because Jesus said in John 21, 17, if you love me, he didn't say feed me. He never said, if you love me, feed me. He never said, because I washed your feet, you wash my feet. He said, if you love me, you feed my sheep. Because I washed your feet, you wash their feet. This what he's saying. If you love me, you don't serve me. You serve people. It's all about people. Okay, number two is this. Rooted in the presence of God or being convicted. In other words, we need to welcome the conviction of the Holy Spirit. When you're rooted in the presence of God, things change. Psalms 26 six eight Lord, I love your sanctuary, the place where your glorious presence shines. Now, there's people that say, um, you know what? I don't need to come to church to experience the presence of God. I can go anywhere because God's with me everywhere. And that is so true. God is with you everywhere. That's called the omnipresence of God. Omnipresence of God means that God is everywhere. But there's also something called the manifest presence of God. The manifest presence of God is when God makes Himself known or does something that only God can do. Omni everywhere. Manifest, He does something. He moves, He heals, He delivers, He protects, He speaks. Okay? I'm going to read you a scripture, and you're going to shout out, if you really want to, I I, I really want you to shout. You're going to shout out, Omni or Manifest, okay? And you need to make sure you get it right, or you're going to feel dumb. Here we go. Psalms 139.7, David said, where can I hide from your presence? Everywhere I go, that's where you're at. What is that? Omni. Omni, good job. A plus so far, okay? I'm not great at a curve. Exodus 33, 15. Moses said, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't you send me away from here. Don't you send me there unless your presence is there. Omni or manifest? Manifest. Manifest. Why would he be worried that he's going to go somewhere God's not at if he was talking about the omnibus? He's talking about the manifest. Everybody understand right? Let me give you an example. If I, I said today in our service, there's a billionaire... Who's in our church service today? If I said that, and the billionaire's here, that would be considered I mean, he's here, he's here in our midst. He's here with us. He's here. But if that billionaire stood up and said, "I'm going to pay for the entire family life center, the whole thing, and put a check in the box, he would be manifesting himself by doing something that only a multi-billionaire could do. you understand? Let's just take a second and just see if there's a multi-billionaire in our service today. <laughs> that wants to manifest himself. Or herself. <laughs> okay, maybe it's not. Okay, anyway. So, okay, let's continue. So, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, watch this. The manifestation of the Spirit, right? This is after Jesus already ascended in heaven, is given. <gasps> Wait a minute. You're telling me when God wants to do something great, he uses people? Is, wait, are you telling me that God uses the fallible, imperfect, sinful people like me and you to do great things? Isn't that what the whole Bible is about? How God used people? The manifestation is given to the members of the body to one. Now here's this very point: You realize this. You don't have everything. Understand you don't have it all. Watch this. To one is given wisdom, another faith, another healing, another discernment, another miracles, another prophecy, speaking in tongues, interpretation. Now you're the manifest body of Christ. He's placed in the church. Apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, helping, guidance. Okay, watch this. On my own, I have the gift of teaching. I don't need any of you here to have that gift. I can experience, I can, I can get fed by my own teaching. When God uses me to teach, I enjoy it. And none of you need to be here for that. But listen real close. If I want to experience a certain level of healing or faith, I need Mona. If I want to experience discernment, I need Tricia. If I want to experience a Holy Spirit, words of wisdom or knowledge, I need need Bob, John. I, I I need Randy. I need some of my elders. If I'm going to experience a prophetic word, I need Jim Riley. Here's what God's saying. The thing that you need, I'm not going to give to you. The thing that you need in your life to be complete, to experience the manifestation of my power, I'm not going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to somebody else. And you've got to go where they're at to receive it. Here's the good news. The thing that you have, I need it. But I need you here for us to experience it together. Isn't that amazing? Amen. We are the body of Christ. Let, let me show you another little point with this. Jonah one five one three said this. Jonah ran away to Tarshish to escape from the presence of the Lord. He ran away. He did not want to experience the voice of God, the conviction of God. He didn't want to experience it, so he ran away from it. We can actually go places where we're not going to experience certain manifestations. So he ran away. In fact, the Amplifier says he ran away from his area of service. There were, the, people, the people needed him as a prophet and he went somewhere else. There was something that the people needed that Jonah could have brought, but he didn't. He ran in the other direction. Okay, so now let me show you something on the board. I want to show you. um, Let me see what I'm going to do here. I'm going to do this. Let me make sure y'all can see this. You know, if I wasn't a pastor, I was going to go as an artist. Just kidding. Okay, that's not a cross. So be quiet. I know how to be. Okay, and so let me give you a thing. So north, uh, south, east. And west. We're right so far. Okay, so. Let's say that this is a small town that you and your family are traveling to. There's an intersection in the town. And over here is a huge festival. Right? That you and your family want to go to. And that's the destination you want to end up. Y'all, y'all have been planning this for a while. Uh, you work worked really hard to take the time off. You got It's going to be exciting. And so you're driving in a car. Um, <laughs> I should have had somebody do this. You know what? How no, you like that? Yeah. That way, if there's like a... Uh, they can jump it to get on the other side. And, you know, they're driving the Dixon Hasker car. Okay. So anyway, so you're traveling from west to east. And you're going in the direction of the festival. And there's a guy here in the intersection who has a big old sign that says, Keep going. You're doing great. Keep moving forward. Okay. He is inspiring you and encouraging you to keep going. Is that a good guy or a bad guy that's giving that sign up? Good Good guy. Is it okay if the Holy Spirit manifests Himself in a way where you are inspired and encouraged to keep going? Is that okay? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Now, you're over here. You know what? Let's just say that's a Whatever. Anyway, so. it's a door. You know what? You're on a motorcycle, okay? Anyway. Okay, and so you're coming to the intersection and you're traveling from north to south. And when you get here, you don't know which way to go. You just don't know. And when you get here, there's a guy holding up a sign that says, turn left and keep going straight. Because you don't know which way to go. This person has given you direction. Is this a good person or a bad person? Good person. Is it okay if the Holy Spirit gives you direction? Yes. Yes. Is that okay? Okay. Watch this. Now. Now you're in an airplane. <laughs> okay. I can do that. Anyway. Okay. But it's got wheels and you're traveling on the street. Okay, so we got it. Okay, so you're going from east to west in the opposite direction of where you want to end up. And this time somebody's holding up a sign and it says you're going in the wrong direction. Turn around. Make a change. Go back. Is that woman that's holding up the sign? That was good. Is that a good person or a bad person? How come we get so upset when we're convicted and corrected by the Holy Spirit, especially in church, to the point where we get offended and we leave and we uproot ourselves? See, this is the difference between uh, living in sin and sinning, because once you see the sign that says you're going in the wrong direction, turn back. If you turn around, then you sin and we all sin. But if you say this, you know what? There's something in that direction that I want to see. There's something over there that makes me feel good. I deserve what's over there. This will make me happy. I'll be fulfilled. And even though I know I'm going in the wrong direction, I'm going to keep going in that direction. That's called living in sin. And here's the problem with that. Is you'll end up over here, but it's never going to fulfill you. And disobedience or willful sin is the same thing as uprooting yourself from the presence of God. And if you go to a church that's... this is why whatever local church you're a part of, you've got to make sure there's equal grace and equal truth. If it's all grace, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you, that's fine, but listen, there needs to be some truth. You don't love God sometimes. You can tell me you do all day the Bible says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So you obey my commandments. So we need to hear, God loves you, God loves you, but you need to love God. Remember the woman that was caught in the act of adultery, Jesus said, I do not condemn you. There's great grace, but he really said this, oh, now go and don't do it anymore. There's truth. Uh, if you're in a church that's all about, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Listen, you can't. That, that's taking a scripture right out of context. Let's watch this. You can't. Jesus will not strengthen you to go in the wrong direction. Amen. He won't. Mm-hmm. He will strengthen you to turn your butt around. And no matter how many hills or rocks or ditches or mountains or obstacles are in your way, He will strengthen you to go in the right direction no matter how difficult it looks. Amen. And that's what it means to stay in the presence of God. Last point, and this is a quick one. Number three, being rooted in the provision of God. Being rooted in the provision of God. Uh, this means be committed. Uh, be committed. Uh, Matthew six thirty one. seek ye first. In other words, make sure your roots are in the kingdom of God and He'll provide you with those other things. The whole Bible is filled with 1,800 different scriptures and examples of how when you're committed to God, He'll always provide what you need. There's no true commitment until we pull out our wallet. You can window shop all day at the mall, but as soon as you pull out your wallet, there's a commitment. Um, you can love somebody and say, oh, I love you, you're the best, but once you spend money on an engagement ring, once you spend money on a wedding, that's commitment. That's commitment. Once your wallet comes out. Um, it's interesting to me, uh, you know, I don't, I don't watch sports or whatever, but I, I've seen clips of, of professional football games. And um, at these football games, Um, It's so funny because the fans of their team, they will actually go out to a game in the snow. In the snow! The snow! That's crazy! They'll sit out there for hours. They will park and walk one mile in the snow. Just to watch. And then they'll get seats so high you can't even see what's going on everybody looks the same there's it's just overweight men running after a pigskin apparatus spanking each other's butts after every play and they pay money to watch that and they spend money on it before they even know their team's going to win there's a big chance their team's going to lose they still spend money they still walk a mile they sit out in the cold can't see anything going on and they could be down a hundred points i don't know if that's possible in a football game But they're still cheering for their team. The reason they do that is because they're committed. How would our world, how would just our nation, how would Myrtle Beach change if just the Christians in Myrtle Beach were as committed to their team? Cheering on Jesus as they were to their football team. And it's funny, you know, I've seen I've seen clips. Before the game starts, they're already cheering. As soon as the players come out, they start cheering. You know, sometimes we have to beg you to lift your hands and worship Jesus. Please, please, just lift your hands. You know, and oh, I had to, I had to park at the other end of the parking lot today. Yeah, let me see you at a Steelers game. We'll see how far you walk. That's the only team I come up with: Ravens, uh, whatever. Is Bears really a team? Yes, uh, know. Oh, I thought that was baseball. Whatever. Anyway, so listen. So real quick, there's this big famine in the land and no one's having food. Everybody's starving to death. Okay? First Kings 17.3, God told Elijah, go to the brook. I've commanded. I've commanded your provision. And I've commanded it. How hard is it to find food in a famine? Much less they brought a meat. They brought a meat. Okay, listen. Elijah, God said, hey, go here and here's your provision. Elijah could have said this. You know what? I don't want to go there. In fact, I want to sleep in today. I had a rough week. Things are going on. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay where I'm at, and God would say, "That's fine, Elijah, but your provision is over there. You can stay over here, but your provision's there." What if Elijah gets there and he gets some provision? Then after three or four weeks, he says, "You know what? I, I just don't like the songs they play over here by the brook. I'm gonna go over here to this area where this tree's at." God would say, "That's fine, but your provision's over there." I would hate to think that God is providing something for me here. Miracles, healings, a word of wisdom, uh, something I can do, providing something for me to do for somebody else, whatever, my provision's here, but I'm not over there. I'm over here. That'd be really sad. Um, Last story, I'll let you go. Years ago, I was pastoring another church at a storefront um, in Socrates. And um, this young girl comes to church, and I'll tell the story from how she tells it. But um, she had a really abusive young adult life. She was beaten many times. By her baby's father, many times. I mean, I'd see her with black eyes and stuff, and um, I begged her to call the police and, and that kind of thing, but she wouldn't do it. And so she she would cut herself with razors all along her thighs, all during the week, just to feel pain or adrenaline or for whatever reason. And so one day she was going to she planned on taking her child and giving it to her parents and slitting her wrist and being done. And her parents raised her in church. And so she made a commitment, a vow that day. She said, God, I'm going to try church one more time. And if, I'm going to use my words now. If you don't manifest yourself in my life, her words, if you don't change something, God, then next week, that's it. I'm done. I'm slipping my wrist and I'm done. <clears throat> so she comes to church, but she doesn't come inside. She's too afraid. She's just been too abused, too fearful. So she sits out in her car. The whole service. Now, if church was the building or the property, then that would have been fun. Something would have changed. Nothing changed. She sat in the parking lot. Church was over. She just drove away. She went home. She was going to kill herself. But she said to herself, you know what? I told God I'd go into church one last time. I'll be, I, just, I, I didn't do it. So I'm going to give it one more Sunday. The next Sunday, she comes to church. She gets her nerve up. She walks in the doors and she said this, the first usher that greeted me, I felt so secure and safe like I haven't felt in a long time. And that's a lot for a woman that's being accused by a man. She said, as soon as I sat down, someone from the hospitality, the greeters came and greeted me. She said, it had been years since somebody asked me, how are you doing? It's good to see you. She said, when the worship started, she cried her eyes out. She couldn't even stand up during half of it. When the sermon came, she was on the edge of her seat, taking notes, just writing things down. She was writing some of it on her hand, just writing things down. She left church that day, no suicide. She comes back the next Sunday, comes back the next Sunday, comes back the next Sunday. She starts getting involved, she joins the church. She's working at McDonald's, raising a kid basically by herself because the abusive. Uh, baby's daddy isn't doing anything or helping her around. She starts tithing, tithing, a single mom working at McDonald's. She joins the music team. Everything in her life starts to change. She meets a great man and they get married. They get pregnant. She has her second child. She delivers full term and the baby dies. Just because you're part of a church does not mean that bad things won't happen. But it does mean that you have a family to help get you through it each and every time. She didn't know what she was going to do with her life. She's she's, she's on our music team. One day in the middle of church, she writes down on a side little sermon handout, Doctor. She said God spoke to her and said, I want you to be a doctor. She thought, God, I'm poor as dirt. I work at McDonald's. How do you expect this to happen? She started applying for different grants and different things like that. She got a full ride to MUSC. Today, she is a neonatal nurse practitioner helping women sometimes go through the very same thing that she went through in her dark time. She was so moved by what God did in the local church. I don't recommend this for anybody, but she was so moved by what God did she got our church logo tattooed on her body <laughs> so she would always remember how God moved in her life, how he manifested himself in church. Now, here's my question How come none of that change occurred when she went to Arby's? How come when she called Geico, nothing really major happened in her life? She's been to Starbucks, the mall. She picked her kid up at school one day, nothing changed. Here's why. It wasn't until she connected to the people of God, was convicted by the manifest presence of God, and became committed to where God provides. That's when everything changed in her life. Amen. And I'm telling you today, if you want better fruit, you've got to get better roots, and you've got to make sure they're planted in the local body church. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. Man, I finished on time too. Wow. I can't believe time-wise we're doing great. Y'all bow your heads with me. I want to just take a minute for the Holy Spirit to speak to you because no matter how good the music was, no matter how encouraging or inspiring the Word was, unless the Holy Spirit speaks, nothing of any significance has been done or said in this place. So I want to just give a minute for the Lord to... Maybe, maybe you're going in the wrong direction and you've seen the sign over and over and over again. Maybe you've been missing out on the manifest presence of the Lord. Maybe you think that you can accomplish your destiny all by yourself. You don't need any teachers. You don't need any prayer partners. You don't need any anointed worship leaders. You've been flying solo. You've been a a, a tree all by yourself out there in the wilderness. Wondering why there's not more fruit in your life. Maybe maybe that's it. Maybe you attend church, but there's no real commitment. Maybe from Monday to Saturday, you're uprooting your life. And you're not placing yourself in the midst of other redwood trees to help encourage you and fill you with faith inspire you to keep going forward whatever area god spoke to you about today i just want to take a second and i want to pray for you and so if the holy spirit spoke to you about something that you need to move in that you need to go towards that you need to change in your life just lift your hand just so i can pray for you real quick just as a sign of faith i ask you to lift your hand so lord, everybody that had the faith to raise their hand, just leave it up for 30 seconds lord i ask that the, the people that had the, the, the courage to lift their hand and say i need jesus i can't do it without him I can't go forward without him. I can't turn around without him. I can't be provided without him. Lord, I ask you begin to heal the roots in their life. Lord, I ask you begin to take those roots and fill them with your presence. Fill them with water from your word. Fill them with sunlight from from the prayer partners and the elders and the faith-filled friends and the people of God. Lord, let them leave this place with so much encouragement, knowing they're surrounded by a family and when the enemy comes after them, he's not messing with them, he's messing with all of us. I thank you for moving in this place today in the mighty, powerful, awesome name of Jesus. Everybody in this place said... Amen. Amen.